With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of Analyzing Everton with me, David Hughes, and of course, co-host Josh Williams. Josh, before we get into the uh, discussion, I just want to ask first and foremost, how are you? I'm alright, I'm looking forward to getting back into football, it's been a long summer mate, I was looking forward to the break actually, but um, now that the games are coming back around and the lack of transfers maybe throughout the summer, I am looking forward to watching some football again. Yeah, so am I. I don't know if I'm necessarily looking forward to this season from an Everton point of view, uh, but we'll we'll get on to all that. But no, it's good to have the football back. Um, as per usual, there hasn't been an episode of Analyzing Everton for a while. Um, some things will never change, but uh, you know there has been things unfortunately going on recently that has meant that even by our standards, the show's been recorded a lot closer to the season than we were planning. Uh, but the good news is uh, there's a lot that we can we can get through today um, and we'll probably roll it right back to having a quick chat about Benitez because although we did talk about managers uh, on the last show that we recorded, um, Benitez still wasn't announced. I think he was one of the front runners, but we didn't know if he was definitely going to be coming in. So we, we only briefly spoke about him. Um, although Josh, if I remember correctly, when we were talking about potential manager, managers that we would choose, you know, candidates, I'm pretty sure you've, you 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 put him as your number one uh, from an Everton perspective. <laughs> I don't remember putting him as number one. Like, right, it's a okay. big shout. <laughs> um, I, I remember saying that Everton could do worse. I definitely remember saying that one. And I wasn't like, you know, hating it as much as I was hating some of the other links, but he definitely wouldn't have been me number one. You know, I wouldn't go that far. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but I remember I remember you talking about him anyway, and this was right at the beginning uh, of the discussion. But yeah, we'll talk about Benitez. We'll talk about what to expect maybe from Benitez as Everton this season. Um, We'll kind of have a look at the squad and the transfers and that whole situation, which is a little bit underwhelming at the moment. Um, and try and work out what we think the strongest 11 will be with the squad that's there at present. Um, and then we'll look ahead to the season, obviously, and which starts against Southampton this Saturday. Um, so, no, not, not the worst game to start the season with, but definitely not not a given based on how things have gone uh, over the last few weeks. So, Josh, first and foremost, Benitez finally gets announced, doesn't he? Um He's come in. There was a lot of backlash initially, but I think that's died down a little bit. Uh, although, you know, results will be key in these first few weeks. But what's your general thoughts on, you know, first and foremost, the appointments at the time? And then, you know, what what's your thoughts in the weeks that have progressed since? I think it's, it's a difficult one, this one, to nail, because I don't think it's that bad of an appointment. And I, and I think I actually think it's a better appointment than in in certain ways than Ancelotti actually. Um, I think Benitez is more suited to a, to a, a team and a club like Everton than Ancelotti. You know, I think they're very similar in terms of um, maybe being a bit less focused on a philosophy and maybe being a bit more strategic from week to week, adjusting based on whoever you're playing, and basically being as good as your players. But I think Benitez in comparison to Ancelotti, there's just a few subtle differences. For example, I think Benitez is a bit more functional than Ancelotti. Benitez is more, a bit less, uh, less attacking almost, a bit more balanced. Um, I think in terms of his general aura and personality and things like that, I think he's a lot more robotic and stuff. But when it comes to, I suppose, maximising the quality of a group of players, I think Benitez is maybe 
going to offer a bit more than Ancelotti when it comes to that. I think Ancelotti was a lot was very big on individual ability, whereas his, with, with Benitez, because he's so robotic and functional sometimes with his tactical views, I think he can mm-hmm. maybe give a, a team a little bit more points wise than what they deserve or what they or what they would get without him, mm-hmm. because the the bridge he's able to deliver with because of the tactical expertise, if you know what I mean. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't think the appointments are that different to, when it comes to Ancelotti and, and Benitez, but I just I, d- I do think he's slightly more suited to, to the role than, than Ancelotti was. What about hmm. yourself? Yeah, I gr- I agree with a lot of what you've said. Actually, um, the the way I kind of look at it is, I think there's a few key differences, um, and you kind of alluded to them, then, but you know, as a as a manager. Most former players would say Benitez is, you know, he's obsessed. Um, he's a, a lot of attention to detail, but he's he's quite cold in his relationships with players. Um, you know, at the other end of the scale, you've got Ancelotti, who is probably less attention to detail. Now, I don't want to dismiss him too much, too much from a tactical point of view because he obviously is, to an extent, a good tactician, but. I think Ancelotti's always been a fantastic man manager. Um, and if you think at the at the really big clubs, the best clubs who have the best players, that's what you need. You know, someone who can manage egos and and kind of um, have get all the players pulling in the right direction. Because then happy players go out and perform at the best. And when you've got the best players performing at the very best, then that's how you have great sides and win teams. But obviously at Everton, the squads wasn't the case and. You know, we did say this on this show whenever it was, you know, 18 months ago, probably a little bit longer. We, we weren't fully convinced by the appointments uh, for that reason, you know, and people can go back and listen to it. It's not Captain Hindsight here. We, we did say that, you know, we weren't, for this reason, we, we weren't sure. They hadn't really built squads or worked with a squad like Everton's. Um, and I think, he, I think he struggled to get the best out of them. Um they fell off big time, really inconsistent. Um, Benitez, however, I think is a is a better coach. I think he has the potential to get more from from the group. You know, I find an extra ten to twenty percent out of out of players who maybe aren't the elite of the elite, uh, and that's why I agree. I think if you compare the two, uh, okay, he doesn't have the same stature, of course, as Ancelotti. But he hasn't done too bad, has he? He's, he's won a fair bit. Um, and I do think that he could have the potential to to do well. The only issue is, obviously, you know, there's still people who aren't sold on him. Uh, that means he's going to be swimming against the tide a little bit from the outset and can very quickly hit trouble if he doesn't get the results needed. Um, I thought the re- I thought the game last week was a ridiculous decision by Everton to go and play Manchester United at Old Trafford the week before the season starts when they're flying high. Um, and that result's done nothing for nobody, really, has it? Well, from an end Everton camp to... I mean, what's, what's your thoughts on that, Josh, playing a playing a Premier League... No, I wouldn't even say Premier League rival. I'd say one of the top sides probably pushing for the title this season. You know, had a fantastic summer. Uh, morale really high. Going into their own backyard with, you know, the return of fans for the pre-season friendly a week before the season starts. Yeah, do you know what? I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that too much. Obviously saw the friendly and um saw the result and stuff, but I hadn't actually thought why have Everton chose to do that. Um a little bit of a strange move, but funnily enough, Liverpool were actually due to do due to have that game with Manchester United, but the the whole Glazer protest is what resulted in that getting cancelled, I think. Mm. Um but yeah, Spurs have played Arsenal. This preseason, and I, I'm not overly keen on that sort of thing. I think you should save the Premier League games for when the Premier League kicks off to give the team almost a bit of a boost when, on on that opening day. Whereas they've already played a Premier League side in, in in friendly circumstances. Yeah, you're taking a little bit away from that, and obviously, yeah, you give them a, a bit of a kick if you're suffering the final loss. Yeah, and I, you know, I guess, I guess it all originates from wanting to do a lack of travel. You know, we, this game was probably arranged when we didn't know what was happening with COVID. But I just think you've kind of done United a favour and at the expense of yourselves. To be honest, I think Everton would have been better trying to play it if they wanted the Premier League game. You know, maybe testing themselves against a similar level side because, you know, as I said, that four 0s really knocked, not confidence, but. 
Look, we'll move on because people have probably talked about Benitez, um, you know, a lot over the last few weeks um, in terms of his appointments. And we'll we'll kind of touch on what we expect from his side this season, you know, from a kind of tactical perspective. Um, I'm I'm trying to it, basically it looked it, it looks as if he's mainly gone with a four two three one over pre season, uh, and that was the case at United as as well. Now, do you think Josh that's going to be kind of the the staple of Everton, Everton this season, or do you expect it to be a little bit more pragmatic? adaptations made depending on who Everton play uh, or maybe what players are available? No, it, it will always be adaptations made. That's just what Benitez is like. Um, and I think, obviously, you mentioned that it's a 4 2 3 one. I think in a lot of games, it will it will retreat into a 4 5 one, basically. Um, and I think, is, is Hamas Adiga certain to stay, is he? Well, I was going to come on to this in a little minute, but the truth is, don't know. You know, for, led to believe that um, Everton would probably prefer to sell him um, to try and bring in some funds. Um, and, you know, obviously he can be perceived, although I don't necessarily agree, uh, he can be perceived as a bit of a luxury player. Um, and on that basis, probably easy to, you know, an easy choice to be sold. Um, but as it stands, there's nobody. Nobody coming for them, and I think he's talked about wanting to kind of stick around and and have a good season with Everton. So, to answer your question, Josh, I'm not hundred percent sure. I think he's, I think if the right offer comes, he will go. Yeah, I think I, what Benitez will probably do moving forward. I think he will always adjust week to week. That's just what he does. But he he will still always have set key principles in place that he doesn't really deviate too much from. I think if he's if he's using a four-two-three-one, obviously that was that's going to result in Richarlison and playing a wide role, probably. So he's probably playing on a wide left, cutting in using his right, maybe. Um, you've probably got Luca Dean overlapping, putting crosses into the box for Calvert Lewin, who we, who we know is obviously good in the air. And you've probably, you've got Ta- Townsend on the right flank, who's probably also putting those crosses in again for Calvert Lewin. And in the ten role, I think. If Hammers stays, I can't see him playing here that often, I'll be honest. Simply because of what you've just said, the whole luxury play, I think. I don't think he... Benitez, the situation has to be so favourable for Benitez to to feel the player like that. So I think more often than not, in that 10 role, I think you might see Iwobi a little bit more than uh, Hammers Rodriguez. Obviously, Iwobi's been playing a little bit on the left. Where I've just said Richarlison's going to play, but Richarlison's been away, so he hasn't had that time to to play in that role. So I think it could be a four-two-three-one type shape with Richarlison on the left. It will be as a ten, and Townsend on the right. Luca Dean overlapping crosses. Townsend down the right crosses, um, and I think in a large majority of games, Everton will be inclined to retreat into a four-five-one without the ball and basically play a counter the second game. I think, again, the situation will have to be incredibly favourable for Benitez to, to look at the, the match scenario and think, we're going to dominate today. We're, we're going to get on the ball. We're going to govern proceedings. He's just he's just not really like that, to be honest. He, he, he would argue different, and he, he'd argue if he had the players, he'd do it. But it's just really witnessed. You know, with him, he's, he's very much inclined to think safety first and balance and, and that sort of thing and mm. I think looking at Everton's squad which isn't wrong you know we said when when Marco Silva was in charge that he was Silva was trying to play this modern dominance mm-hmm. game without the players to do it um, Benitez won't do that Benitez will play in a way that is functional and, and will deliver results hence why he's invested quite a bit in already in getting speed wingers into the team crosses and stuff for Colin so I think he'll get a functional side going the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I, I agree largely with what you said. Um, yeah, you I expect... You, you think Demadi Gray is going to play a bit more, don't you? Yeah, I was just about to mention him. Yeah, I do think he'll play a bit more. I think he... Uh, obviously, he's come in um, this pre-season. So, obviously, he's, he's come in under Benitez. Um, he, he's looked sharp in pre-season. Now, obviously, uh, you know, you can't... You can't play yourself into the team in pre-season, but you can play yourself out of it. Uh, and he hasn't done that. He's looked quite good. Um, you know, where where he plays is a tough one because obviously he's a he's a I'm pretty sure he's right footed, isn't he? So he he can if he go if he's out on the left, you, you imagine in a four, two, three, one, he's playing like a Richardson role, cutting in onto the right. Uh, or he goes out on the right, plays where Townsend is, um, kind of like a traditional right-sided attacker. Or you know, is he an option for in the number nine? Could he could could he play number ten? You know, would he offer a little bit more off the ball than say like a Rodriguez? You know, he probably would. Um, so that could be an option for him. I do expect him to be a, a fairly important player this season if he can if he can get confidence and. Well, mainly because I think he's got a point to prove, to be honest, Josh. But um, I'm like you. I expect to see adaptations because, you know, say Ancelotti tried to play a 4-3-3 a few times last season. And you look at the midfield and you, you know, and use the midfield as, as the example. You haven't really got that number six profile unless Gabamon comes in to be a really, you know, kind of top player. Um, like, a, I don't know, Fabinho S. But... Uh, he, he put Allen in there a few times and I don't know if you remember some of those performances, but he, he looked like he got the run around a fair bit in there, Josh. And um, then you've got like midfielders like Gomez as well who don't particularly you know, offer that much without the ball. So I think you definitely need some form of double pivot, don't you, um, to, 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 to protect the side. Um, on the comments of Rodriguez, I agree, but remember we spoke at the very start of last season about what he could bring in terms of goal contributions and he's still by far Everton's most creative player so I would like to keep him in the side but not necessarily rely on him as the sole creative spark which I think Everton did too many times last season and looked a little bit um, blunt when he wasn't available which is often because it's Rodriguez and he's, he's, he's very injury prone but I would like to see him in the side because Whilst I agree with what you're saying that most games Everton probably aren't going to be looked to dom- dominate the ball, you know, if, if Everton are playing Watford, for example, at home, sorry, Watford, I'm just picking on them, but, you know, in that game, surely you'll expect them to be the more dominant side. And if so, is there then license to have a Rodriguez on the pitch? Well, I think Hammers is, is probably going to highlight the key difference or one of the key differences between Benitez and Ancelotti, in my opinion. Because the way Angelotti is going to be a bit like, um, right? We you're as good as your players. We need that individual player who can essentially win a game on his own. So I'll play Hammers and kind of sacrifice whatever he's gonna, whatever he's not gonna offer without the ball and stuff. And we'll just kind of carry him if we have to. I think Benitez, although he also views it as. You know, what have I got player-wise at my disposal? I think Benitez is a bit more inclined to think, but he's a problem for us when when we lose the ball. I, I think Benitez is more inclined to focus on what James won't offer in a lot of games. Hence why I don't think he'll play that much. I think he'll play when Everton are maybe trailing. I think he'll play when Everton are strong favourites. Um, but other than that, I really do think Benitez will will look at it, and if he's got any kind of doubt as to whether Hamez will cause problems for him tactically and defensively and stuff, I think he will he will play someone else who we can trust a little bit more without the ball. Benitez has done that, you know, throughout his career. I don't think he was the biggest fan of Hamez at Madrid, mm. and um, 
you know, going back to his Liverpool days, for example, you had exciting players at Liverpool, like, you know, Louis Garcia, Ryan Barber and stuff like that, but players like their Cout were, were playing every week under Benitez and, he, you know, he was, Benitez was the man to move Gerard away from centre midfield into a number 10 and that was largely because as a centre midfielder in a two maybe, Gerard couldn't really be trusted to, to keep his position almost, he was, he was too industrious all over the pitch. So, any kind of you know, maybe tactical issues, whatever you want to label it as, that that are potentially there. Benitez tends to avoid. He ten, he, he doesn't like that sort of thing. So it's going to be intriguing to see how he uses him. His first game of the season, he could he could be used because he's got a, one or two preseason games in him, and he's only against Southampton and it's a Goodison Park. So you could argue maybe you've got favourites there, but I'll be I'll be amazed if he starts second game away to Leeds United. I'll be amazed. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying there. Like that kind of free Roman role that he had obviously at um, last season although he was a right side of the attacker on paper he was basically anywhere across the attacking third and he, he he didn't have to be that disciplined and discipline's obviously huge in this Benitez side so yeah it will be interesting um, and we don't normally take questions while the show's going on but uh, we've had one off the producer and it's actually interesting isn't it he says um, Guy Clark Give him a shout out. He just said, um, will Benitez look at Demari Gray as Everton's uh, Alan St. Maximum or would that be Townsend in terms of getting Everton up the pitch? I do, I do definitely think that's why they've been, these players have been picked and brought in. Um, just easy, cheap options who guarantee one thing and that's pace, you know, being able to drive with the ball um, because last season Everton didn't really have any of that. I think kind of hoping a Wobie would be the ball carrier, but he just can't can't hit the ground at all at Everton. Um, do you think that's what they're thinking, Josh? I think it's definitely possible. What, what I've just realised, though, was funny enough, St. Maxwell didn't actually arrive at Newcastle until Benitez mm. left. Yeah. Um, but having said that, the, the, the approach generally at Newcastle, attacking-wise, Benitez wanted attacking players who could operate basically without support, um, in isolation almost, and they were good enough to basically act as outlets and tran- and transport Newcastle from, most of the time, their own defensive third to the final third almost single-handedly. A player like St. Maxima, Zaha, um, Miguel Almaron, those players who were just quick, tricky, good at carrying the ball over long distances. And I think you could, you could put you could put that on Gray, really. Yeah, considering his pace and his sticky nature and stuff, tendency to carry the ball. Townsend, I am inclined to think, although we can do elements of that, I think Townsend's been brought in for his crossing. I think Townsend's been brought in because Everton don't have wingers for a start. And it's absolutely mad to have a squad that doesn't have wingers when the two strikers in the team, their biggest strength, you could argue, is <clears throat> is uh, headers. You know that's that's mm. that's crazy. You know that's mm. that, that's like um, such a conflict when, when you've got two strikers who are very good in the air, going to thrive off crosses, but you don't have wingers in the team. So, kind of the only player who's been able to feed them in past seasons in that way has been Luka Dean. Mm. So, Benitez getting sounds and then I do think makes a, a degree of sense, even though he's coming to the back end of his career and stuff. But no, the initial question though, in terms of um. Gray acting as a bit of a Saint Maximum type player for Benitez, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised at that because you know Benitez does have a tendency to to look at these these players who could act as outlets and and get Everton up the pitch, getting the yeah. results up the pitch. Yeah, I agree. Um, obviously, we've talked a little bit about the new signs, and I think an issue that looks to be the case with Everton is I don't think they're going to make many more. Um, signs in the summer there might be one or two depending who goes uh obviously there's talk that uh Moise Keane is going to be leaving I mean he's he couldn't made it more clear that he wants to leave uh I don't know if you've saw this Josh but he deleted uh every single uh post or picture on his Instagram that involved Everton um <laughs> okay which yeah it's quite a quite a modern day thing now isn't it that that's news but uh I thought I've seen the um all I've seen was the story, the the story of a 
like it was just a dark story and it said um something like back soon or something like mm. that. That was what I saw. So it was it looked like a twi- Twitter uh, a Instagram social media blackout or something like that. Um but I didn't know what to make of it to be honest. Yeah, sadly it was nothing uh, you know, nothing that political or trying to you know raise awareness or anything. I think it's just him pushing <laughs> off the move. Um yeah. I, you know what actually should we just on on that do you have any thoughts on that at all, Josh, about him leaving? Do you think uh, now you know? Obviously, he scored seventeen goals for PSG last last season. Still, just twenty one. Um, are you looking at that thinking you should really be trying to keep hold of him, or do you think now it's uh, it's good business to to get rid of you can get a decent offer on the table? Um, I th- I think with that one, my biggest concern and something I would want to get to the bottom of really would be that over the course of a short period of time now, say maybe three years, Everton have really struggled to get the most from Nikola Vlasic, Adam Ola-Luchman, and now Moise Keane. All three since they've left. Moise Keane hasn't officially left yet, has he? But all three, whenever they've left, Everton have thrived. You know, Vlasic has scored in all kinds in... Is he playing in Russia? Yeah. Um... Adam Luckman was a big threat, I thought, last season at, uh, at Fulham. And Moise Keane goes and scores 17, albeit for PSG. But even before that, at Juventus, he was deemed as a big talent. And I'm sure wherever he'll go, he'll probably deliver some goals and assists and stuff. So, for whatever reason, Everton seemed to... You know, why aren't, why aren't Everton getting the most out of these players? I, I can't really get my head around it. I don't know if it's... You know, the, the way in which the clubs manage behind the scenes in terms of getting these players integrated. I don't know if it's a tactical problem. I don't know if it's because of the managerial turnover. I don't know if it's poor squad management from a brand's perspective. But these are big talents that Everton are getting in. And they're only doing well once they leave the club. So I, I, I think surrounding the whole Moise Keane thing, my biggest concern would be I'd, I'd want some kind of... Um, <laughs> you know, like a bit of an inquisition as to why this is happening all the time because mm-hmm. they're, they're of all the signs haven't they've made over the past few years. Those signings aren't bad ones, they're, they're, but they just for whatever reason haven't worked. Um, so I'd want questions about that, really. Yeah, I think um, what a lot of it comes down to is probably the instability at the club. You know, the environment has just been so unstable. You look at Vlasici comes in on the Cumin, I think. Um and within a couple you know, six weeks he's gone. Uh Unsworth comes in and wants to go obviously back to basics, doesn't want to, you know, risk anything with a young attacker. So he's not playing there. Allardyce comes in and he's Allardyce is playing him at wing back. You know, he's meant to be like a number ten slash like attacker and he's getting played at wing back, so it's near impossible to to show your best in that situation. Um Luckman. Kind of similar under a few regimes. Um, what I will say with Luckman, I suppose he went to Leipzig and it, he done well in the, on the, in his low move, but not necessarily in his permanence. But then they've been such a good side over the last few years. You know, you, you're competing with the likes of Timo Werner and, and other players to get into that team. So doesn't necessarily reflect that poorly on him. And as you said, he's come back to the Premier League and done well at, with Fulham. Um, yeah, my opinion with Keane is, um, you know, forget, let's just talk about it for the football perspective. Forget, you know, all this stuff about wanting to leave. You know, maybe we're just at the stage where he wants to force it through now because he's not happy or whatever. But football perspective, I think in an ideal world, I would like to have seen Everton uh, keep him around for another few years, uh, you know, make it maybe him another season or two to try and develop hopefully in a settled environment, which, fingers crossed, Everton will be with Benitez as manager now. Um, that being said, I can also understand why they probably sell him because uh, in the immediate, I'm not convinced he would be able to replicate 17 goals at Everton because, well, look, you you know as well as I do, Josh, you look at the, um, the XG for last season, XG per 90, PSG, they've got the, the, the second highest across Europe's top five leagues. You know, I actually had a look at this week because I, I did write about him. Uh, the, the second highest XG across Europe's top five leagues, per 90, it's about twice as big as Everton's on average. Um, 
you know, the Everton averaged something like 3.6 shots per 90 last season. Um, PSG averaged nearly 14 per 90. You know, so, and then it's something again, like PSG had three times as many touches in the opposition's box per 90 compared to Everton. So what, what I'm trying to say is, you know, PSG are the side who create a lot of chances, you know, a, a lot of chances. And that's only going to benefit Keane, who I don't think isn't at this stage, you know, a ruthless clinical finisher. Uh, he may one day become that uh, and he may go on to be a top striker. But say in the immediate, as in this season, I'm not necessarily sure he would have been able to contribute in the same way he did at PSG. Maybe I don't know that and they think, you know, if they can get 30 million, 35 million, maybe they think, let's just let's just sell him and bring in money that we kind of need now. We want to improve the side for, for this season. Um, I guess it's guesswork, isn't it, Josh? Yeah, it is. You know, I think he's a... He's a, he's a decent talent and stuff like that, but I, I do think I, I do always go back to that that the Ferguson thing, you know, at, at Old Trafford. I do think that that's kind of, um, I mean, I, I remember we spoke about that at the time, and mm-hmm. it was such a short term move for the sake of getting a result on the day that could have caused real long term damage. I thought at the time, in mm-hmm. terms of the, the kids' happiness and stuff, and I, I, I don't know, I'm totally guessing there, but. When it, and when it comes to Benitez coming in, Benitez has many strengths, but you, you, you said earlier, you touched on the fact that he's a bit cold. So I think to get him on side, you're probably looking for someone other than Benitez, maybe I think for, to do that sort of thing. So maybe it's just going to have to be a case of, of cutting your losses, maybe and starting again with someone new but and, and taking a fee for him. But I just think what I mentioned earlier about these players coming in, these talented players and, and not really being able to being presented with a platform to thrive I just think moving forward that surely has to be addressed by by somebody that that's because it's it just doesn't really make sense does it if you're gonna if you're gonna make these these talented signings every now and then these kids who are who are, who are younger than than Everton's average age and and can bring the, the squad age down a bit offer you a few years of service they, they're the they're the ones who don't seem to to prosper really and the, the ones who seem who do other the lads who, uh, who you're going to have to replace anyway in the next few seasons because they're, they're basically getting on. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But Josh, I agree, by the way, and I'm adding to this point, but does this boil down to you're bringing in managers, you know, you've got this short-term thinking. You're bringing these managers in and these managers are... You know, they're not part of a collective goal with the club where it's, you know, I'm going to be here for X amount of years uh, and we're going to bring in these players to build them up over these next two or three years to either be top players or we sell them for the big profit and reinvest that money. Instead, with Everton, it's managers coming in being like, "They, I need results now. I can't risk Luckman playing six games and only performing in two of them. You know, I, I can't, I'm not here to develop him. I'm here to to be successful now. I need to be successful now. And, you know, that should really come from the club. You should, the club should be integrating these players, having this philosophy in place, and the manager just literally coaching the team and picking the team type thing. But it, it it's not, it's kind of like the managers are almost, they take control, they think short-term, and it's at the expense of, of these players, isn't it? These key players, these young players. Exactly. And I think a lot of it comes back to you know what? What exactly are the details of of Marcel Brandt's role at, at Everton? Because those bits you've just touched on there, a lot of that comes under the, the, the duties of a sporting director. You know, if I if I was if I was appointed as Marcel Brandt's replacement, I would look at Everton as a club and think to myself, right, what what is what is Everton? And for me, growing up as a rival fan t- to Everton. What I've I've said this before. What I, what I would view Everton to be as a club, as a team, would be intense, uh, direct, 
aggressive. I want to say direct, the ball can stay on the floor type direct. It can be quick counter-attack type direct. It doesn't have to be barely direct. Um, those sorts of qualities, basically. Um, and what I would do, I would start to shape the squad gradually in that form. And I would gradually start to appoint coaches who can start to teach and start to coach that way of playing. And then after a few years, hopefully you're in a position where you have a clear identity, playing in a similar way every week, targeting similar type players who are suited to executing that brand of football and stuff. But I have said for a while, Mashiri just comes across to me as very, very impatient and, and, and wanting to take shortcuts and maybe not being... Maybe not having a having a specific grasp on exactly what it takes to go from A to B in the league. He just seems to want to appoint, say for example, coaches who have done it in the past without really considering how they've done it or why they've done it. And just thinking, right, you've done this before, go and do it again. But we you know, without without really presenting those coaches with a similar setup to what they had or without really considering, okay, well, well that was that was a decade ago. Have things changed since? You know mm. stuff like that. So, yeah, it's it comes back to the, the the elements we've touched on since we really started recording, analyzing everything a while back. Um, and we don't want to be all doom and gloom, do we? But no, they, they, they do seem from a distance like aspect that could really be. I think they could be resolved fairly easily if if, but specifically if if Brands is given the the, the freedom to actually do his role. I mean, without knowing what Brant is like, I'm saying that, but, you know, that's, mm. that's kind of what it feels like. Well, Brant is in the position now where whether it is as a result because he can't do the role uh, or whether he's just not doing it very well, but he, he is definitely yeah. in a position now where he's being scrutinised because he come in four years ago, Josh, and you look at the squad now, and maybe we'll just do it very quickly now. We'll, I'll tell you what, we'll work out Everton's, what we think Everton's best 11 roughly would be. So that's a... That's a quick heads up to maybe bring the squad up now while I'm talking. Um, but you look at, we'll look in a second. And the reality is, four years down the line, a couple of those years Evan, have spent a fair bit of money as well. You know, I'm even talking post that 2017 window. And uh, and they still look a long way away from being a competitive side. And when I say competitive, I don't mean, you know, Premier League competitive. I mean, you know, top six competing side, they look a long way from it. So, again, you know, either that's down to him not being able to do his job or him just not doing it good enough. It's one of the two, but he's he's certainly being scrutinised. Yeah, Everton obviously aren't probably going to bring in that many new faces. Um, So, we'll have a quick look at the team, Josh. Uh, We'll just go through a four, two. Come on, Ma. I was going to say, it's... it's I know I always say this, but it's such a mad squad. It's mm-hmm. a squad that just consists of so many different, um, different parts that don't complement one another. I'm sure we'll touch mm-hmm. on it now, but I just think it is very, very weirdly constructed. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Um, goalkeeper is fairly straightforward, isn't it? You know, Pickford's come in. I think Be- Begovic wasn't a bad pickup as a number two. Um, I don't know if you saw that one, Josh picked up Begovic from Bournemouth. I think that's a decent yeah. number two option. Uh, yeah, I haven't really got comments on that one. Mm. Luca Dean left back. That's, again, obvious. He's probably one of Everton's best players, isn't he? Um, and then I'm looking at, I don't know if you've got in front of you now, I'm just looking at who played against United. And I've got the squad next to it just to see if I'd replace anyone else. I think that's probably the easiest way to do it, isn't it? Um that's the centre back pairing of Godfrey and Keane. Have you got any any comments on that? Obviously, Mean is in the background. Holgate somewhere there too. Um, I think I would keep Godfrey where he is. How mm. old is Michael Keane now? Michael Keane's twenty eight now. Mm. Mm. Um, I think if I wasn't, I don't think Benitez will do this. But I, I think if it was me, I would maybe lean, lean on. Godfrey and Holgate maybe as a centre back pair and just kind of see in in, in a longer term thing if if that's going to be possible. Obviously, you might have to sacrifice one or two results in the, in the meantime. But that's kind of what I mean in, when I say be a bit patient when it comes to getting towards this long term goal because 
Holgate's four years younger than Keane. Uh, I don't think Keane's going to get much better than he currently is. Mm. Um, but I suppose it depends how you view Holgate. Sometimes he's played as a right back, isn't he? And, mm, yeah, and he's he, he was he was miles off it last season at times. But at the same time, I uh, I've heard memes that he kind of talked about not really feeling like he was getting much. I mean, it could have been an excuse, but he was saying not much coaching. And from what we know, Ancelotti wise, you, you could kind of foresee that. You know, his his downturn in form coincides with working with a. And not a very hands-on manager, you know. The two and two together does seem to, you know, give us four. But it could be an excuse. I don't know. And I think as well, you know, when you're considering Yeri Mina, Yeri Mina's not not the worst age. He's 26, which is which is decent, and he's six foot four, you know, good in the air and stuff. But all of this then just comes back to well, well what's your what's your playing identity? What's your what's your style of play? What what are you going to do? Because those those players to me just seem to fit different approaches like mm. when it comes to Mina I would suggest that he's a player who's going to be sitting in quite a low block heading but heading crosses away I would probably say Keane's similar in terms of his his past at, at Burnley and things and where his strengths lie but then I think you could probably move a little bit higher up the pitch with Godfrey mm. um, you could probably do the same with Holgate so it, it it's just and if you start playing a certain way say you start playing a little bit higher or whatever but then Godfrey gets injured. I don't know. It's just it's just one of them s- s- squads that it's difficult. It's going to be difficult to play one way mm. every week because you've got a squad full of players there who all have dif- really different strengths and weaknesses. They don't have the same aligned strengths and weaknesses so that they suit one brand of football. So if you do suffer one injury, you have to change quite a bit. And there's just very little consistency from week to week. Mm, yeah, I agree. It's it's a tough one, that. Um, but not maybe for the reason that you like picking your best centre back pain. But what I will say, Godfrey's definitely in there. Um, and then toss up between kind of Keane, me, and, and whoever else. Uh, I, I can't believe it. Joshua Coleman's starting right back. Uh, he's turns thirty three this year. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> you know, there's no one really to take his place there, but. That doesn't look good at all for for brands because that's been a problem really for a couple of years now. Um, Coleman's fantastic savings and stuff, but you would have thought he would have brought someone else in, wouldn't you? Um, is so, there a reason behind that? Is the is the line no, on that one? No, does um, <laughs> I'm trying, it's literally been something that you know Everton fans have, have talked about for a while. There'll be plenty now listening to this and kind of screaming at the. <laughs> the headphones or whatever it is because uh, I I know that they were they, they, they were looking at uh, Dumfries you know Denzel Dumfries yeah um, but I think he was going to Inter oh guys just flagged these, that's off now but I think, no, I, think he, I think he means off as in he's going to doesn't oh, he oh he's going to yeah well I think the interest sparked before the yeah. um, the Euros He's actually a player I'm sure we've talked about on here um, like a, a year ago or so, but he was going to the Euros. Um, it looked like maybe Everton was a done done deal. He obviously has a he has one of those annoying tournaments where he scores goals and he puts himself on the radar and then a lot of clubs ended up being interested for them. And yeah, it looks like Everton have missed out to Inter. So they, they have been linked there. It does look like they're improving, but... It doesn't seem like they're working the way down the list of targets. I don't. I, hopefully, they didn't just put all their eggs in one basket. But this is Everton, so they probably did. Um, so right back will be Coleman this year. Josh, we're going to midfield. Um, at United, it was a double pivot of Allen and Decore. Now, looking at the squad, is uh, is there anything different you do there, or do you think that's probably the best they've got at the moment? No, I think I'd probably stick with that. And I think you were spot on earlier when you said you've you've kind of got to ad- adopt some form of double pivot. Mm. Um, just looking at the players, I don't think you've got any real hope for a midfield three there. I just don't think you've got the profiles. I think the core I played in the two about Watford, Andre Gomez for me is a, is the type of player who would be in a two. Same with Tom Davis, same with Alan. So I'm probably, probably the same with Delph as well. So I think you... you I mean, a midfield two is suitable there, I think, and mm. your, your two best midfielders probably are Alan and Decore. Although what I will say is, um, Gabamon, there's still hope there that he comes back and turns out to be a, a player. Um, 
<laughs> oh, you're not going to... No, I, I was no, say no, you're not no, convinced, no, but why would no, you no, be? It's not, yeah. It's not that I'm not convinced. It's just that, yeah, it's, uh, I suppose, because of the point now where I'll believe it when I see it. And ho- hopefully, hopefully, you know, I, I'd like to see him play. But um, of, of all the transfers, that has been absolutely mad, that one, hasn't it? I mean, that's just one of them, really, isn't it? Not much you can do about that. Mm, yeah, it's uh, just just really bad luck. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. We'll go into that three then. So, Wobie obviously starts on the left um, at United, but Richarlison, that's, that's an, uh, you know what, Josh? There's just so many subplots to this Everton team this year. Richarlison has made himself available. He's come straight back from the Olympics and has made himself available for the, the, the weekend. On one hand, you'll applaud it. But on the other hand, you're like, there's absolutely no way he could he, he could just go and do a full campaign now because he's, um, bear in mind, not only has he played in the Olympics all the way to the final, wins it, he also went all the way to the final with Brazil in the um, Copa America the month before. So he finished the season, Copa America, then the Olympics, and then straight back into into the, the season. Um, I think he'll... You know, we'll have a couple of weeks over the international break. Hopefully, they let him off. Uh, but how much are we going to be able to rely on him, Josh? Because I think of the likes of uh, Sadio Mane, you know, last year. Um, and he looks so far off his best. And I think he was just so fatigued. And, you know, are we going to see a version of that Richarlison this year? Just a fatigued version. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I think he's played, has he played 15 games since he last played for Everton, for Brazil? I don't know off the top of my head, but it will be something. It'll be something high, definitely. I think it's. I'm pretty sure it's 15, uh, which is obviously a lot. And maybe he can do what I have read Pedri is going to be doing for Barcelona, where he will he will now get kind of get his rest when the next international break comes around. So that's what Pedri is going to be doing for Barca. He's played throughout the whole summer as well. I think he's going to be available for Barca start this season. So you know, if Jonathan feels like he can do it, I mean. I I'm not. I'm not really sure. I'm not sure on the. Uh, I'm not really an expert when it comes to the whole fitness thing. Mm. But um, for me, Richarlison makes the strongest eleven, and I'm sure. I'm sure Benitez will not think too much about that one in terms of fielding them. So, yeah, maybe it's just going to be a case of getting getting his breathers the next international break. Maybe maybe he'll stay behind at Everton, be given a week off, two weeks off, or whatever. Yeah, but we we we. I take it we agree that he's the in this formation. He's the left left attacker. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about number ten then? Because you touched on it before, um, and you mentioned a controversial figure in Awobi. Would you would you start him there, or would you would you look at someone else? No, I think I would go with Awobi there. Yeah. Uh, well, it depends. It depends on obviously who you're playing. As I said earlier, against Southampton first game of the season, maybe I would look at Hammers. But mm. I think a lot of the time, I think Benitez will look at Everton's team, and he'll look at the team he's facing. And I, I think a lot of the time Benitez will, will look at that and think we aren't the, the superior side. We, we haven't got notably better players here. So because of that, I think he'll field it will be a little bit more than Hammers. Um, but yeah, I suppose those two can switch depending on whoever the opponent is, basically. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, yeah, it's you know, I won't go too much into it, but it, it's a fact. Do you think, do you think obviously Sigurdsson not being available would be a would be a, is a little bit of a kick as well in having that kind of third player in there because that's obviously a, you know I'm not having him available for however long that would be um, is a little bit of a a kick I guess ahead of the season because you're missing basically missing a third senior player aren't you in that position? Yeah, and I think the fact that he's kind of been man on the block basically he's, he's mm-hmm. quite a mature player. I think Benitez probably would have valued that. And, the uh, the off the threat leader would have offered some set pieces, the delivery from set pieces. Obviously, he's got Luca Dean there, but mm. he does seem the type of player that Benitez might have used a bit. So, yeah, it's a shame that one. Um, right side on the right side. Um, who are you going with, Josh? Are you going with Townsend, Gray, or say it's another name? <laughs> I think Townsend plays there, but I think looking at Gray, right, just thinking about what Gray could offer. One of the insistent reasons behind why he's an insistent signing, he could provide a backup to Townsend on the right and basically be a winger. 
putting those crosses in for Calvert Lewin and stuff. But in other matches, he could also probably provide an alternative option to Richarlison. If Richarlison mm. needs a break, Gray could also play on the left and cut inside using his right. Mm. So he's he's probably the type of player, Gray, who can he will get a fair amount of minutes during the season just because he will probably dovetail roles between the inside forward role that Richarlison's going to occupy and the right winger role that Townsend's going to occupy. So I think we'll see Gray uh, in both of those roles throughout the season. Not sure which one he'll play more. Probably the Townsend one, I'd assume, considering he's, I think Townsend's about 30. How old is he now? 30 plus or whatever? Yeah, I think he's 30, yeah. But I don't think he gets injured very often, actually. So, you know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. But I think I think Gray will be. I think he'll get a fair amount of minutes, but in different roles each time we see him. Mm. But maybe that versatility is a good thing, isn't it? To be fair, you know, it's nice to have it. Um, so yeah, right, one of one of those two up top. Uh, absolutely skint on options, to be honest. We got uh, Calvert Lewin picks himself. Uh, I know Gray played in that number nine. Um, at United, I'm trying to remember who, who who come on for him in the second half. Was it? Um, let me have a look now. Well, oh, it was it was Lewis Dobbin, which kind of says, "Oh, you know, squad number 61." Uh, I mean, really, I, I have watched them a lot. You know, there's, I've got a tweet somewhere from a few years ago where I was like, "He's one to watch." Uh, he played really well in the under 18s game, but I don't think he's at this level yet to you know compete at the Premier League and. Uh, that's that's a concern in itself, Josh. And what what happens if Cavaloon gets injured? You know what do Everton do? They're gonna be, they're gonna struggle, aren't they? Especially if you're putting all these wingers on the pitch to cross the ball to someone good in the air. It's probably Richardson that you're looking at. Yeah, I mean, one option you could you could say there, yeah, what you've just mentioned is putting Richardson in there and then putting Gray where Richardson was. Hmm. Um, so you know maybe that's a solution to it. But yeah, again, going back to it, it's it's not there. The most efficiently constructed squad, really, is it? Well, on that, then, what's what you look at that team now? What's your thoughts for Everton this season in terms of final position? Yeah, yeah, you know, maybe how you think they'll do and how they'll finish in the league. Um, because I have my views on, 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 on it. Um, so yeah, what do you think? I think I, I would be surprised if Everton climb up the table, to be honest. Obviously, last season they finished uh, 10th. 10th. I would be surprised if they finish above 10th. Hmm. Um, I just can't see it. I, I think it potential to drop. Although, although I do think that Benitez will, I, I think Benitez will, will be better for Everton than Ancelotti will. I think Ancelotti got results in a fair few games that Everton didn't really deserve results in. Ben, benefited from you know, 1-0 wins and set-piece set goal wins and and things like that. So, Ancelotti might actually have a better points total in terms of the 59 that he got last season than, than Benitez gets this season. But I do think that whatever happens this season, it will be it will be needed for Everton to move forward the season after and the season after that. Mm. So, this season, I think Everton will finish about 10, 11, 12, something like that. Uh, what I will say... I think Benitez is a, a cup specialist, so you could argue maybe there's the prospect of of a nice cup run in there as well. I think Benitez is more of a cup manager than a a 38 game league manager, to be honest. So I think there's the prospect of that in there that can offer some some hope for, for Blues and stuff. But in terms of the league, I think it could be quite similar to last year, to be honest. But without yeah. the without being in touching distance of of top four at times, which is which was the case last year. Yeah, it was crazy thinking March Everton was still on the cusp of top four. Um, I am quite pessimistic at this stage. I have to be honest. Uh, you know, we've just run through the starting eleven there, and to me, you know, Everton have consistently been trying to break into the top six. And I think you look at that side. Yeah, if you just remove your bias, completely looking at it objectively, if you can. Um, I, I can't imagine anyone listening now and going, yeah, that's a top sixteen. You know, I think it's it's very much a kind of beige vanilla, you know, mid table side. You know, it'll win, win some games but lose some as well. Um, 
The only thing I am clinging on to, Josh, in a little bit of hope is, you know, because expectations are so low for the first time in a long time, really, Evans' expectations for a long time being quite high. It's always about breaking into the top six, breaking into the top six. I don't really think it's there that e- this year. I think the, the few signings Evans have made have been kind of players who like have a point to prove. Um, you know, Gray wants to prove he's still, you know, he, he can be a top talent after a bit of a failed move to Leverkusen. Townsend looked down and out and he's been given probably his biggest move of his career, really. Well, no, I suppose he's been to like the Tottenham, but it's up there, you know, it's a second chance for Alan Begovic as well. He's That's quite a good move for him. You know, he's bringing in these players who kind of have something to prove, have an ambition to, to still show rather than bringing in players for a lot of money who are, coming from big clubs and, you know, maybe coming in thinking they're going to be the main men here, they're going to be the kind of star players. You're bringing in hungry players. And I just, I'm hoping that uh, there's parallels with kind of Everton in the mid noughties in that sense. You know, when Everton lost Rooney, I'm going back a few years, the game's changed in some aspects, but Everton lost Rooney, they looked a bit down and now finished, I think, 17th that year, 16th, 17th. They bring in Marcus Bent, Nigel Martin, you know, play Tim Kale, you know, these players that weren't really, uh, you know, a couple of them on the way down career trajectory wise, you know, players who have something to prove like Kale. But the team spirit was phenomenal that year, you know, and it really, and Evan become a really tough, robust side and one that was difficult to beat. And they ended up finishing fourth. Obviously, they don't expect to finish fourth, but if, he, if, if Benitez can create that kind of backs to the wall team ethic again, which I think he does genuinely have the potential to do, then Everton could have a low-key good season. Um, yeah, what, what I will say, I, I think Benitez can deliver a similar Everton team to that that side that you've mentioned there. When you know peak Moyes type stuff, Moyes is similar, I think, in terms of very functional and things like that. So I think Benitez can give can can deliver that. But the, the issue is, I'm not sure he can this season. He will need a bit of time to do that. Largely because of the squad's a mess, and it's not his fault. It's a mess. Obviously, we we know David Moyes. One of his strengths was was recruitment. Moyes had quite a few seasons um, before he started to deliver those those climbs to like fifth and stuff like that. So, I think Benitez can get around that, but he will need time. And whether he's given time by not only the supporters but Mashiri as well remains to be seen. Yeah, I agree. Um, we'll have to start looking to wrap up, Josh, because we're, we're, we're getting very close to the end. But just a very brief word on, obviously, opening day game, got Southampton at home. Um, obviously, potential to have egg on, egg on our faces here. Uh, you know, I don't want to say too much because no game is easy in this division. Um, I'm not even saying it's going to be easy, but is it probably one of the better fixtures you could have picked based on what happened uh, over the summer at Southampton and basically what they were like at the back end of last season? Yeah, I mean, on paper, it looks like a bit of a gift, really. I am a bit concerned about trying to have that flag that two you already this week, Dave. Uh, you know, obviously, I think I've already come across last season to me as a, a little bit of a fragile team at times. And in addition to that, they've lost Ryan Burton, who's been there for a while. Dyings, who's arguably their best player. And I mentioned that the fragile, arguably their most, their least fragile player is Yannick Vestergaard. You know, he's about six foot six, isn't he? He's massive mm-hmm. and stuff. So he, he's leaving to uh, Leicester for about 15 million. They're, to get replacements in, they've got in Broad, uh, fullback. They've got in Livermento from Chelsea on loan. And they've got in um, Armstrong, who, who had a good season last year in the Championship. But Certainly, immediately, I, I, I would expect the Saints to, to stroll and they're actually one of my, I wouldn't say tips, but I, I am a bit concerned for them when it comes to the drop. If you look at the second half of last season, the second 18 games of the season, that second half of the season, they finished dead last. They finished bottom. And on the back of that, they've now sold three majorly key players and James Ward-Prowse is injured. So I think it's a gift of a start, really. and. I think Benitez going into it will we'll be expecting a win there. Hmm. Have you got a prediction for it? I think 2-0 Everton. 
Mm. I'm going one nil Everton actually. Um, to be yeah, honest, one nil is going to his favourite scoreline, so I wouldn't put that past. Well, look if he get, if he delivers thirty eight of them this season, we'll be happy. Um, <laughs> but we'll, we'll wrap it up there. Obviously, Josh, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Yeah, always nice. Um, and thanks everyone for listening. Sorry that there was it was a bit of delay. Um, it won't be as long for the next one. I can assure you that. Um, but yeah, as always, thanks for listening. Get in touch if you'd like to via our social media. Um, you know the usual stuff. But yeah, take care, and we'll uh, hopefully be talking about a nice couple of wins in a, in a week or two. Uh, thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.